Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, everyone. It is the Red Men Podcast. We are back. The champions of England up and flying with a win over Chelsea. I am Paul Machen. I'm joined by the BBC's Emma Sanders, by our very own John Machen, and by our even more very own Mr. Chris Pajak. Um, it's your, you, you own the place, Chris. Um, so you, it, 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 it's fine. Um, I, I never really think these, these things through, to be honest. No, <laughs> really? You're looking great. Yeah, you're looking very aerodynamic. Yeah, like you, you've gone for your pre-lockdown haircut. Me? Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I had to. I didn't want to get. I didn't want to. I didn't want my wife to cut my hair again. Is <laughs> the honest answer here? <laughs> Please, just got a hair. Just, I'll come in at seven o'clock at night. It doesn't matter. I just don't want the wife doing it again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, quality. The uh, kickoff question this week comes from Len LFC. Uh, he says, if you get one cybernetic body modification, what would it be? For example, better eyes with Zoom, uh, bigger bladder capacity. Expanded memory storage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Chris, well, I've got you. I'll start with you on this. Well, I think there's a blindingly obvious one, isn't there? Um, and for me, um, that is <laughs> a bigger thigh muscle, a bigger left thigh muscle, like a, so. So a, a computerized left thigh muscle, I think. Um, left thigh muscle. Yeah, because that's my kicking leg, and so I want to play football. I want no one to know. Then I'm going to do it, and then all of a sudden I'm just going to blam one in from 100 yards, so I can basically score from the you know my centre back position where I am on the field. And I just don't. I, what I'll do is I'll play a little bit right footed to begin with, and then all of a sudden, pow, goal, one nil, centre back scores again. Um, either that or a new back. That's only because my <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay, sad. Um, Emma, what would you do? I'm so glad you explained that question because I was like, I haven't got a clue where he's going with this. Um, I mean, I've always wanted to fly, so just chuck some wings on, wings on the back. Just bolt us a wing on, I'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. You're not going to the garage, you're not going to your local garage to get this done. This is like you get put in a billion dollar lab, I'm presuming, if it's cybernetic. Yeah, I mean, probably. Chuck- I've been playing too much Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I want to fly. Give me some wings. Okay. Dad, as a, as a fan of the Blade Runner, uh, now series, of course, um, is there anything you'd be robbing straight directly from there? Is it something else? No, just be simple um, eyesight. It would just be really good. You know, you can see for miles. That would be great. I, I've... I, I am at uh, the eyesight one's really interesting, particularly because you spent a lot of time having and uh, having your eyes resorted in, in recent weeks and what have you. But I am um, the ability to just record what you see and in the way that you see it, I think is fascinating. I mean, there's a there's an episode of Black Mirror which is very a very very unsettling version of this, but there is something to it's just so annoying having to get a camera and set it up and do and you know and do all these things to be able to just record in your line in your line of sight would be loads and more easy and have a, a nice simple way of downloading it and exporting it or whatever would be very very would be very useful to me. Uh, let us know where are we going for these things, Paul. Are we like, is this like exhibit type of stuff? Are we just, just <laughs> heading into the garage or something? Well, I'm going to my local corner shop. 
Yeah, oh, Emma's, Emma's quite clearly going to to a to a garage where, like, you know, with it with a leaky roof uh, <laughs> and oil stains on the floor to get her wings bolted on. Um, but I, you know, I want to go to somewhere like you know, like Cyberdyne Systems. I want to go somewhere where if they want to if they want to spark the robotic apocalypse, then they're perfectly capable of doing that. Um, nice. why, where, where do you think you're going for yours? <laughs> Probably, like, basically it's not too far off a butt lift, I think, in what I'm going. So I'm probably going to where the Scouse girls go to get their lips <laughs> and their arse done, to be honest. And to be honest, they're well-practised. I mean, I don't know how many people have got uh, experience of sorting your eyes out, but sorting my bum and my, uh, my leg out, I reckon they'll, yeah, I reckon they'll be sorted. You've already got, I mean, like... I mean, maybe like I thought. I don't think I'd go for a reduction in that way. That way, but you've you've already got a substantial. They've got it's fine. <laughs> yes. the there's, a lot of, the, there's a lot of the junk you in the truck. The you with know? one thigh is you'll end up going around in circles, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'll just put the power down. Yeah, it's like having monster truck wheels on one side of your car. Yeah, maybe I'd have to go for both thighs. Okay, we'll do both eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm not picky, and I've not thought this through. Okay, okay, sounds. Um, let us know yours in the comments, uh, just for, just for a laugh. Uh, or right, a really, kick- really, really, really big toe. Um, the um. We're going to talk. Um, we're going to talk the mighty Reds. We're going to talk about a little bit about the Chelsea game. We're going to talk about the, of course, Kylian Mbappe rumours that have been re-sparked by L'Equipe uh, over in France. Uh, the return to stadiums and why it looks like it's going to be postponed at the moment, and obviously a bit of upset around that. Uh, and a little bit about our rivals. Um, historic and genuine uh, and how their seasons are shaping up so far and basically it's just an excuse for us to show on a bit of a chance to, to laugh at the Manx which is great um, we will get to that all in, in very very short thrift but before I do we have got some brand new merchandise available uh, on the Red Men shop uh, it's also available underneath the video on the lives on YouTube and in fact every video on YouTube uh, but here's a little advert to tell you what it's all about Simple as that for all of your t-shirt, sweaty, puddy, but that sweaty stuck up sweaty, isn't it? It's making it sound really bad. Um, it will be if you wear it because they're very comfortable and warm. Um, and mugs and all that good stuff. Go and check the Red Men, Chelsea. It's great. It's absolutely great. Uh, right. Okay. Um, we're going to continue to bask in the Chelsea win. Um, Dad, we've not really had a chance to talk about it too much. Um, it was just just lovely I mean there's obviously the circumstances around the Chelsea being down to 10 men for 45 minutes contributes in some way but just Liverpool I think showed the class from start to finish really yeah we we totally dominated the first half didn't we um it just looked inevitable I mean I'm surprised because last season Chelsea actually played really well against us at times um and they gave us a lot of trouble but in the first half it was like they threw all that away and they were scared to death of us they just yeah. sat back and tried to, to get Timo Werner on the ball as often as possible, not realising that in Fabinho, we just had someone who, who had no messing from him. I think it's interesting because, you know, I mean, everyone was talking about these new players that Chelsea have brought in. And we're all envious. You know, they've signed some absolutely fantastic talent. You know, I think a lot more eyes were on the Bundesliga because of restart and it being the only football for a couple of weeks before the Premier League came back. You know, I was I, I saw more of Havertz than I would have done normally. And, you know, I think it's interesting, like kind of following on from what my dad's saying there. I wonder, because they've signed all these players and they're going, oh, God, we're going to be a real threat. But these lads have all been watching Liverpool. 
you know, they're all young, young, you know, footballers. They'll have watched everything that Liverpool have been doing, and they will have been, they will have been a fear factor from them. I think, you know, it's not like signing, you know. I mean, if Thiago Silva played, I don't think he would have because he'd have a better measure of us. It's not, you know, and, and we've got our Thiago coming in, who's who's been there and done it all. But these are, you know, Werner and Havertz, massive talents, but this is a step up for them. And they, I think there will have been a degree of maybe awe and a little bit of fear of them walking into that game. Yeah, absolutely. And when you come to a new club and you're trying out new systems and you're working with new teammates, you're in new formations, to come up against a well-drilled side like Liverpool in only, what, your second appearance, you are going to play it safe because you don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to be that that new signing that goes and makes a mistake against Liverpool. So that's probably why they did play the way that they did because they hadn't had that time yet to kind of work on the way that probably Frank will have them playing by the end of the season. So, yeah, I agree with John. I just thought they... It was like watching Jose Mourinho's bus back again. And it was just, it was like, that. you know, they didn't really go for it. You could see the game plan. Um, yeah, it was all about getting the ball to Werner. And, you know, Werner was a threat, but Fabinho just was brilliant at centre-back. And if he's our fourth-choice centre-back, then Jesus Christ, we're good. <laughs> That's a good point. I, well, you know, we've, we've obviously chatted a lot about this game, Chris, but the Frank Lampard stuff and then maybe Chelsea's approach, it's, it's, it's very difficult to tell on, on one game whether it's just Liverpool being utterly dominant, obviously, again, to mention it because it is worth mentioning the red card, or whether there's a degree to which Frank Lampard just maybe just fiddled with his tactics or his approach a little bit more than he could have done but I don't know you know I, I was expecting Chelsea to just be a lot more expansive to be a lot more dangerous and it it, it just never really materialised yeah I think that's right to be honest I think there's loads of loads of factors obviously John and, and Emma have just talked through some of them I think the fact that you know Liverpool had something to play for this time around, whereas the last time we played them, we didn't really have loads to play for and stuff like that. So I think Frank's gone a little bit too conservative, to be honest. I think he respects that, you know, Liverpool are a good side and they were the better side going into the game. And, you know, he went conservative to try and hit them on the counter-attack and he got, he, got, he gets his tactics wrong on the day, you know. He could have gone. He could have gone all out and got his tactics wrong on the day, though, couldn't he? That's the other thing. I mean, yeah. if he, he'd have, if he'd have piled in, they could have lost five 0 And what does that do to the the new lads and and their confidence going into the season? And you know, there's a lot of lads there. Thiago Silva, you got Ben Chilwell, obviously didn't start, but then throw Kai Havertz in, Zajac, Werner, they get hammered five 0 and then all of a sudden they're like, well, is this is this manager right? Does he know what he's talking about? Because it's all right for the lads who were there last season who, who saw him get good results and stuff like that. But you want you don't want them sort of thinking to themselves, oh, actually, I'm not sure about this. Why yeah. did we do that? Are we really that, are we that poor type of thing? So he's gone conservative, I think, and, you know, decide it's not it's not set up yet. We're not seeing Chelsea at their best. We will do. Because is he, that a he bit is a stupid? Because it's a bit stupid, though, really, to go to do that approach when you've not got your defence up and running. I mean, I, I get it. Like, you know, it, it, if you've got your better defenders out there on the pitch, or maybe, I mean, look, maybe it's a, 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 an effort to counter counteract that. But, you know, with, he's got Zuma in the back four. He's got Kepper as the goalkeeper. And... To try, you know, what Chelsea had going for them, Chris, was they had all the they had the good attacking lads on. It's a bit bad that he he has put us a bit of maybe just a bit too much stock in those other yeah, lads who were probably getting about to be upgraded. Let's not forget that last season he went at us and lost every game apart from the cup one where Liverpool rotated. So he's tried he's tried attacking us and it's not worked really, has it? Yeah. You know, ultimately. So why not try something a little bit different? But I get your point and I understand it. Now, when you are trying to defend as a team, it's probably better to have a couple of lads in there that, that know how he wants them to defend. I think putting um, Kovacic and Kante and Jorginho ahead of them said that it was going to be that type of a game because they, they're lads that can defend and can get stuck in and try and win that midfield battle um, they didn't win any of the battles anywhere in the, on the field that's ultimately what it comes down to the one-on-ones they didn't win the team game they didn't win and they didn't score goals yeah interesting stuff and we have a comment coming in here from crazy c30 um emma did you see uh klopp telling his bench never celebrate the chelsea red card it's a nice little touch isn't it yeah yeah i mean this this whole rivalry i think that um that frank and klopp that well that people have tried to build around frank, frank and klopp it just doesn't really exist does it i think you know both frank of them. and klopp sounds like some horrendous <laughs> horrendous Halloween costume waiting in, in, in the waking then, waiting, doesn't it? It does, yeah. But yeah, no, I, th- I think, look, like, they both respect each other as, as managers and I think, you know, any team that celebrates another team getting a red card is, that's just, you like, like you, you don't want that. 
So Klopp's, Klopp's a good guy. Um, so, yeah, it's nice. It's totally fine for fans to celebrate a red card, by the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> cartwheel, you know, dance, yeah. it, scream, scream at your tally, whatever, whatever it takes. I must admit, I'd, if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd have been really annoyed at the way we played. You know, that, whatever Frank's thoughts were, to actually, you know, sort of give up the ghost before you'd even started the season, just I would just be livid, absolutely yeah. livid. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a weird performance in Chelsea. I think we can all understand that, you know, they've thrown this is the this is the knock-on effect. I think we all look at the names and you go, it's great because if you again when you play him. FIFA and footy manager and look at this two teams do hit the ground running you know so this isn't just one of those kind of comments from here but teams do do not, they take time to gel they take time to gain an understanding and particularly yeah. you know we were talking about it uh, on the on the final way Chris and I that but they, they played a different formation against Brighton and they've changed the formation for Liverpool so like the lads who've been, who are new haven't even got like a game to back to back them up on this no, so there was I mean, always, it was going to be disjointed. I mean, most good sides don't change their formation very often, if ever. You yeah. know, and Chelsea seemed to change it with the wind. But if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be thinking they're bringing in all this talent. I want to see something on the pitch, and he's actually made the side worse. Yeah, but by bringing them in, you know, I mean, and God knows what the likes of Tammy Abrams think stuck on the bench now, probably forever. You know, and Mason Mount, it won't be long before he's on the bench. Yeah. All the good work he did early on last year, bringing the kids through, I think it's going to go out the window. Yeah, no, no, it is going to be interesting to see how he balances that because yeah, I'm sure we've seen it from Chelsea managers in the past. You know, Abramovich seems to have taken a bit more of a hands-off approach in recent years. But, oh, you know, I wonder whether he... Except the club's players, apparently. Did yeah. you see that last night? He, he no, what was that, John? He has, he has some kind of ownership in players who play for other teams. Teams who may have actually played against Chelsea at some time. So. Fantastic! I bet they were all in that. I bet they. I bet they were all in that Perugia uh, meeting with Boris Johnson as well, all having a chat. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, there was no. I don't know what I'm talking about. There was no Perugia meeting. Um, yeah, um, there was. You just don't know who was there. Yeah, um, Chris. I thought what the things that really stood out. We didn't really too talk too much about them on the other shows, but I mean Andy Robertson in particular. I mean the praise goes towards Mane, it goes towards Allison, it goes towards Fabinho. Naturally, the stars of the show on the on the on the day. But Andy Robertson and as well Mohamed Salah. The two players, I think, who struggled most with, fit, with with fitness towards the back end of the season, ongoing problems, didn't look quite as sharp, or, or for a variety of reasons, they both look a hundred percent back on it this season. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know the, the full reasons why, but I'm guessing they're well rested. Is, is the first point. Um, Andy looked like well, Andy's played a lot of football. And, and basically, you know, obviously Chimacas coming in there as well has probably given him that little lift. I mean, he looks really good at the moment, like the best version of Andy Robertson that we've seen. He's flying down that wing defensively. He's resolute. He's still good in the tackle. His positioning's been really good as well. So he, he is a, a, a such a dangerous weapon when he's on form and, and Mo Salah as well. I mean, you know, he could have quite easily had a couple of goals, but it's the way that he has kind of changed the way he's playing, to be honest with you. He's not as tied down to that sort of area of the field where you think of Mo Salah. He's literally running across the formation now and he's just looking to make things happen. And, you know, I think it was last week we mentioned it, didn't we, Paul, about, like, you know, when he's not trying to score, he's a better player. And yeah. he, just, he just seems like much more of a team player at the moment, Emma. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, we can't really talk about Andy Robertson without mentioning the banter that he had with, with the King on Twitter yesterday. Did you all see it? About <laughs> yeah. his book? Oh, it was brilliant. I, it was just like the best bit was when uh, Mrs. Dalgleish came in and called uh, Kenny a legend. Yeah. And, uh, well, did you see the Kelly Cates follow up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like my mum tweeting off a, off a charity foundation account by mistake in response to a, an accidental double tweet by my dad. Uh, we're changing the passwords. It's just, it's just absolutely it brilliant. Amazing. 
yeah, absolutely in the be- in the best possible way. But but um, yeah, Andy Robertson, maybe, maybe it's just because he's, he's he's had this, he's been writing this book and he's been staying up until all hours, um, <laughs> you know, scrolling away on his laptop or whatever. But he does seem, for whatever reason, and, and you know, I think I think it's a, it's both. I think it's having a, a fella there who he knows is going to be breathing down his neck for his for his starting berth, but also I think him having a, a real bit of time off. There'll be, and I think this will be true for a lot of our players because of the way Liverpool play and the intensity and the play through the pain barrier kind of thing, they'll have all been carrying a lot of like niggling injuries that, you know, you don't individually not enough to keep it out, but cumulatively start to take the toll. And it looks like particularly those two that I mentioned, they look free of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I've spoken about this a lot before, but the mentality and the kind of concentration levels that they've had to have for two years, basically consecutively consecutively, to compete for the Premier League title alongside City is, that is obviously going to be absolutely exhausting as well. So I think you look at their physical state, but then also just that mental break, I think is so important. And Rob has obviously had that. And it's like, this is very much a clean state now. Obviously, it's the way the season ended last time. It was, you didn't really know when they were coming back. So when, when you know, when the players then came back, you know, for the restart, you could tell that they hadn't really had that, that mental break um, because they just had to be ready to go basically yeah. whenever. So now they've now had a solid time period where they've said, no, this is your time off. This is when the season then starts again. And you can tell that they've all just had a fresh start and, you know, and it's starting from page one again. Yeah, I think that... I I, I just think that Mo at the end of last season, the edge had gone out of his game. He missed so many Mm. chances. Mm. I I said he obviously had his boots on the wrong feet because he got the chances, but he missed them. You know, like, like in the first couple of games that he played when he first came. You know, he just got there but didn't quite have the edge. And suddenly now he's back on his, you know, totally 100%, you know, on his game. And he just looks phenomenal. I mean, that's for the the first goal, the the, um, first touch pass back to Bobby. Mm. That was just unbelievable. You know, absolutely. We see what happened with forwards, though, don't we, don't we, Dad? Philippe? I think Fernando Torres is the, is the shining example of this, but Robbie Farlow had the same, Owen had the same. When you're pacey, pacey forwards and you are the focal point of a team, you just get booted everywhere constantly. You know, Salah gets kicked left, right and centre every single week and there's just there's just something to I think, you know, Emma talked about it, a, me- a bit of a mental break but also that thing of, there's probably just an underlying bruise. I always think back to like the, the, me and Chris used to play uh, five-a-side indoors on a Monday and like the bruises from the week before hadn't healed by the time you came to play the next Monday. So you were just adding bruises on top of bruises on top of bruises. It took like, you'd have to have like two months off just to have your legs go back to the the right colour, and, and I wonder whether that's it with Salah. Well, We've seen you know, players Mo hasn't out before. had a break for years. I wouldn't have thought because of his yeah. playing for Egypt and all the rest of it. it. It must have been absolutely brilliant for them to suddenly yeah. have nothing to consider, you know, to be bothered about, and just relax with your family and chill out. No, as well knowing what you'd done in the previous season, yeah. you know how, how the heights you'd reached. Uh, but he, he just looks brilliant for us. I mean, he's not yeah. alone. I mean, a lot of them are the same. You know, a lot of them seem to be really on top of their game as well. It's almost yeah. as if they're absolutely determined to make a good fist of, of retaining the title. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I agree with that. There really is an edge to them, you know, which yeah. is great yeah. to see. Absolutely. Henderson particularly, I mean, he only had a half. But in that half, I've never seen him pass the ball so much in my life. Maybe you'd watch Thiago. Yeah. <laughs> a while on yeah. video before he went out and thought I'd yeah. better, better make a few more passes <laughs> I, mean, I don't think he got anywhere near Thiago's passing though did he he had about half well, as many as Thiago yeah it's funny isn't it because we found out because um, we've been talking about this Klopp said that Thiago had like one session on his own then he had one session with the group um, before and I wonder whether that uh, that individual training session whether they just had them all upon the rest of the squad up on the balcony just kind of like looking at looking out over him or like had him on CCTV and they're all crowded round in like the security hut or watching him do his thing going, oh my god oh my god look at that um, uh, no, well, it turns out I think I think I've heard this this video footage of it and it was a bit like Star Wars where they put the helmet on him and he's, he's and he's throwing his lightsaber around <laughs> passes out to Trent and Robbo with a helmet on so we can't see where anyone's going and, and everyone's like oh my god yes he is he's the absolute one he's going to bring balance to the force and uh, everyone was made up so 
Yeah, that, that's, that's, they're all direct quotes. I I, I really like that. Uh, right, we've had some super chats coming because we are live on YouTube right now. Um, our Bouse uh, freestyle with two four ninety nine super chats, simply red men, uh, and then you deserve one million subs. Thank you so much. That's well, that's very kind of you. Um, we don't because we haven't got them. Um, Dan Mia uh, as well says lads and ten minutes behind on the stream. Got here late. We'll catch up, but you'll be fine. You'll catch up eventually. That's how it works, right? Um, Stephen Somerville saying since we've now got Tiago and Jota, uh, do you? think our squad is fine to go into the new season or do you feel there should be one more deal done dad well the squad clearly is fine it's functioning really well um i think the only the only question mark seems to be whether we need another center back and a lot of people saying fabinho proved that we don't I'm, i'm not so sure i'm still not happy with our center backs injury record so i'd be happy with another center back coming in yeah, I think we you know. I, I made a strong case for the Joe Gomez fitness record in, in last week, Chris, and that he's in, that he's in for this yeah. game. Um, it's easier to I mean, make a strong case when he's not injured, though, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, I think you know when you look at the strength of Matip as our fourth choice centre half, I think that's pretty good, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gomez is our third choice. Yeah, Fabinho is the second Fabinho's best centre half in world football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like John, to be honest. I think we do probably need somebody, but it's 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 whether we can get that right profile of player in at the right age with the right experience level. And if you can't, then you don't. Basically, and and because I think in a couple of years we're going to have two young lads there in Vandenberg and Cabetio who were who are going to be sort of that age that you want you back up to be maybe 23, uh, 20 between 21 and 23, um, so I think we've got high hopes for them. Um, and if you can't get someone who's maybe 28 in, who, who's maybe coming up from somewhere middle of the table. Um, and then is happy to come up to the best team in the league and sort of sit behind and, and wait for his opportunities. Then I'm not sure. What, I'm not sure what you're asking because you, you don't want someone who has been there and done it. Like Thiago Silva, I wouldn't want a 35 year old coming in because. But I, I want someone who's playing week in week out at maybe 28 years old who wants to make that step up in the career. If you can't get that, I think you just wait for the young lads. If you can, yeah. I mean, I think there are, must be twenty-three-year-olds around who'd be happy to come, and they will get games. I mean, you just look at—I mean, Matip and Gomez are unfit again. You know, yeah, they probably would have played, and Fabinho wouldn't have done. The thing uh, is, we'd have missed out on a great performance, but we, you know, we'd have had a proper centre half in the team. Yeah, Pro- profile-wise, though, this is the struggle: is that you've got Virgil Van Dijk's in his prime, Matip's in his prime. Gomez is, is 23, he's, he's in that category of age where we'd be looking to buy at this point. And then you've got your 17 and 18 year olds as, as your backups. Like it's, I think it's tough to go and buy another. I think it's, it's either got to be a 30 plus you, year you, old because that's the re- only thing you've you're got missing. to remember that Matip was only going to play 20 games. Yeah. I mean, he's never going to play any more than that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
you know, and Joe Gomez, you know, his record doesn't suggest he's going to play too many more than that either. So, yeah. you know, it, it makes sense to have someone else to come in and play the other 20. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's an interesting one, but thanks very much for the question. You just dropped an absolute hand grenade into the middle of the show there. That's great. Um, uh, let's move on to some more uh, flights of fancy. Uh, L'Equipe are reporting that Liverpool will be one of the clubs in for Kylian Mbappe next summer. Uh, they're saying that he's got, he, at the moment, he's got two years left on his contract at PSG. Um, and it means that Liverpool will be, um, will be, will be sniffing around alongside Real Madrid. And look, Chris, you know, There'll be plenty of time for this to get shot to pieces. Um, but right here, right no, now, now's the time to dream, Paul. Now's the time to dream, mate. Uh, it's the hope that it's it's the hope that you you live off, isn't it? At this point, and you, why wouldn't Mbappe want to come to Liverpool? Yeah, Liverpool might not be able to afford him, and they might not be able to afford his wages. But we just don't know what's going to happen in a year time. Yeah, like it, it may. I think, and I said this six months ago, maybe a year ago. Liverpool are planning for this to become, you know. 10 league titles in 13 years. That's what we're aiming for. And to do that, you're going to need to plan beyond Mo Salah and beyond Sadio Mane and beyond Roberto Firmino. Now, Mo Salah and, and Sadio Mane are two of the top five players in the world. Close to whatever. You, you can argue with me on it or anyone can. Whatever. It's a, it's a matter of opinion. Mbappe's in that category. We've got two of them. And we've got Van Dijk's up there as well. Why wouldn't why wouldn't one of the others want to come to us? Can anyone tell me? I mean, Mbappe likes us. He's spoken about us. He's talked about us being a machine. Now, if you can afford him, go and get him. Yeah, I know I agree on that. And I, I don't th- what this is the interesting point, isn't there? It's not a flight of fancy to think that Mbappe would want to play for Liverpool. Of course he would. Why why wouldn't he? Liverpool are now established once again as a Champions League club, two fi- two finals in three years. They're gonna be in that clutch of sides who are gonna be challenging for it. You know, particularly while Klopp's still got his co- he's got you know, he's got years left to run on his contract as well. It's an exciting prospect, you know. You know, you got the atmosphere, you got all the love that goes with it. There's the Nike connection and all those kind of things. There's no reason why he wouldn't he wouldn't want it. It would only ever fall down on again, as Chris kind of alludes to, is the is the the money side of things. But I think there's a conversation to be had around that. Yeah, it's it's always about the money, isn't it? I mean, I'm 98% sure that that story is a load of bollocks. But as Chris said, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be tweeting announce. Mbappe like every day yeah. for like the next like three years until we sign him because why not like he's he's definitely the one player and I said this off air before but he's the one player that I would sign in world football like I'd sign him ahead of Messi right now just because of the, like the long-term investment like Chris says it's yeah. it's you know you're bringing in somebody who I genuinely think is is going to be the best player for he's like 20, he's years 21 years old and he's this good yeah. already he's he's, in, he's incredible like and and it is it is all about that money but as you said like Coming into a team at Liverpool where you've got arguably the best manager in the world, you've got the best centre-back in the world, you've got two of the best forwards in the world. Like, even Mbappe training against Virgil van Dijk every day, that's going to improve his game. So, yeah. why why wouldn't he want to come to Liverpool? Yeah. Thoughts on this, Dad? Well, oh, oh, Liverpool are the coolest team on the planet. So, yeah, <laughs> he would want to come. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely no doubt. <laughs> And, you know, maybe be willing to lower his wage demands to, to achieve that. I don't know. Well, yeah. I think what Liverpool should do is bid for this contract of $100 billion that the government are going to have for this um, fabulous moonshot. And, <laughs> and apparently they're going to charge for the tests afterwards. So it's just a licence to print money. <laughs> do You just... Get that contract. I mean, Edwards will get that contract, no problem. <laughs> Go and get that contract. Buy Mbappe. No problem. And you still have change. Absolutely nailed on. I completely agree with all this. I, I look just just to kind of try and ground it in a touch of reality, though, Chris. I think look, the only situation where this would even be a possibility is there's two things that have to happen. It is that he doesn't sign a contract extension and PSG enter into a world where if he says I'm done and I'm just going to run my contract down, then the, it, it lowers his asking price and it also obviously increases PSG's need to make it to to, to move him on to not lose out on too much money, but also. Look, it, it, I think it would be dependent upon one of Salah or Mane going out the door. And I'm not sad about that because, again, you know, all three of our front three are in a, a similar age bracket. Mane's slightly younger, or like by half, a, by half a year or whatever. 
we're gonna that that's how the system has to work. At some point, one of those lads is gonna get moved on for really, really big money, and that does actually open up a conversation about Liverpool being able to replace a world class player with a world class player. I think that's absolutely spot on, and you know it feels almost dirty talking about it, but it's not. I mean, this is what we're planning for, as as I mentioned. I said it's a succession plan. Now, to me, and I've always said this, Salah's probably got the most market value. Um, and probably will hold that value a little bit longer as well. Now, you know, marketability. Yeah, I think so, and and everything that goes around it. You know, how big he is in his country and in that area of the world and stuff like that. So, you know, I could quite easily see Salah going for a hundred and plus million to Real Madrid, and us getting Mbappe with the change. You know, and I don't think it's I don't think it's so out of the realms of possibility. I thought this summer, if everything had gone no, no, as as it normally would, Liverpool would have broken £100 million on someone. And I genuinely think that probably would have been Jadon Sancho or something anyway. And I still think that. I think it's just been kicked down the road a little bit. I think we are going to splash big. I think we know what it takes to stay at the top of the Premier League. And we know the riches that comes with staying at the top of the Premier League. The longer you can stay there, the more commercial deals you get, the, the more competition winnings you get, the more money for the Champions League you get. And everything grows off the back of that. So Liverpool are, are, are moving through the gears in, in terms of commercial. We're not at the peak of how much money Liverpool can bring into the football club, get another Premier League, get another challenge for the European Cup, bring more money in and see where we are then. So I, I, I and especially with him having a year left on his contract and, be, and liking Liverpool Football Club, you know, the only thing I would say is, do you need to tie Klopp down for an extra couple of years for that to happen? Yeah, because I, I, will Mbappe come over with two years left of Jurgen Klopp? Who knows? But maybe, maybe there's maybe if you can revitalise Klopp by revitalising the squad, then everything stays for a little bit longer. You've got to do like the Vegas, the Alex Ferguson thing, where Klopp can go, okay, I think I'll I'll just look and then you you show a new shiny thing and be like, oh, oh, like yeah, would you sign a new contract, a new four year extension for four years of Mbappe? Probably, probably more than you would in, in, in many other players, just for the chance to, to trade him. I reckon he maybe would. Uh, anyway, Chris mentions peak, so let's kind of neatly segue on. Um, the return to stadiums looks like it's going to be postponed by the government. Yeah. Great yeah. segue, um, that's the best in the history of Brandon. <laughs> um, so smooth, so yeah, smooth. Um, Emma, it's. I mean, the, the government have been gearing up for this. I think it was. I think we all kind of knew it. The talk was October was then. There was the chance that like yeah. twelve and a half thousand might be allowed back into Anfield. It's gonna be. It's gonna be pushed back. It's gonna be paused by the looks of things. Um, which, given the current well climate, when you're telling people that they can't go into you know into into friends and family's houses, it would seem a bit mad that you could put twelve and a half thousand people in a football stadium. Doesn't make us any less disappointed by it. Yeah, it is. It's is disappointing news, and you know what the knock-on effect for the for the clubs lower down the pyramid, and obviously for non-league football, national league teams, etc. That's going to have quite a dire effect, really. Um, less so on the Premier League teams, but yeah, I mean, our understanding—I don't know whether it's been reported yet. I've not really been on my phone for the last two hours, but our understanding is that that you know those pilot events, which were sort of you know one thousand people, I think they've sort of been halted for now as well. So it's yeah, it's it's not not great news. Um, but as you say, kind of expected, really. I sort of had it in my head that, you know, there, there wasn't going to be any fans until the new year. And I've kind of made peace with that. So anything that, you know, kind of came before that in my eyes was a little bit of a bonus. So mentally, I'm not too, you know, I haven't really had too much of a sort of step back in that point of view. But yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's it's more disappointing for those clubs lower down that really, really need fans in. And, you know, they need that money and they need that interest. And and, you know, people need their crowds. Um, you know, we we're talking about Sheffield United, that they've obviously had a tough start to the season and they're, they're one of those Premier League clubs that they need fans behind them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, think, I think teams are just suffering now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we're all just going to become hashtag United fans and follow them in the FA Cup by the looks of it, anyway. But um, yeah, look like a great laugh. Look like a great laugh. Um, Dad, I mean, just 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 from your perspective on this, because I know you've you've you know you've had a spell of like shielding and what have you in, in this. You know, if Liverpool were, were were able to announce twelve and a half thousand, would you be would you be putting yourself in the ballot for that? No, not especially. No, I mean. We all, I mean, we all agree we want football fans back in stadiums, but 
you know, I'm highly suspicious of this government doing anything. And if they tell me, oh, yeah, it's safe, I think they're only doing that because they want the economy to be better and not because they want me to be safe. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, there are, there are other reasons than, than COVID why I wouldn't rush back. And I, I do think we have to be very, very careful about, you know, crap, big crowds of people because you took my 12,000 at Anfield. 12,000 in, in that stadium, safe distance, no problem. But what about outside? Yeah. How do you have 12,000 people not congregating? I went into a pub the other day and the, the people were not self, you know, self, uh, safe distancing because yeah. it was impossible to if you wanted to get near, you know, and go buy a drink. Yeah. Uh, I just thought to myself, you know, 12,000 people. Yeah. You know. There's a knock-on effect on the public transport as well, isn't it? You know, how people get into and from games and then there's the area and the concourses. And, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. It leads it's to a situation, though, where, you know, and it needs to be carefully managed. I think I, I, I would rather hear the, the FA and the Premier League talk about this, which is mad that I've got a world where I actually <laughs> actually trust the FA and the Premier League more than I trust the, the trust the actual British government. Um, because let's face it, none of them are particularly uh, fit for purpose at times. But you know, I, I want to see football. I want football to have their own response to this and and, and see what, what they're doing because I don't want this Chris to end up being an issue where football fans it becomes a polarizing thing where football fans are demanding to be let, you know you know are putting pressure on when we don't, it's like anything we don't it's the science behind it i want to be back at anfield to do i'm i'm so bored of watching football games on the telly i actually and i, I you know i'm at the point where if they said to me would you sign a would you sign a, a health waiver or whatever i might do but that's a dangerous attitude i'm i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about that might be the most stupid thing anyone's ever said but i think we're going these conversations are going to end up happening it's not long before you talk sports I end up having a big you know a big campaign to get people back in and whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing do you think that i mean it may cause loads of trouble as well if if, if 12,000 people are allowed in all the people who are not allowed in, how unhappy are they going to be? You know, you yeah. could, you'd have to have a really tight system, which was above board and everyone agreed was perfect. And no one, you just see the ballots for tickets, how, how yeah. people get annoyed about it. Yeah. I, there's something I wondered as well. I mean, it, it may be just be stupid, but the number of goals being scored in football matches at the moment, do you think that might have something to do with the fact that there's no crowds and yeah. people haven't got the adrenaline running through them? They're yeah. not yeah. scared of making mistakes anymore because they're not going to get pilloried by 50,000 people. We we were having this discussion on, on the BBC Sport website this weekend. That, you know, A lot of people were tweeting in asking the same question. And I think it's a mixture of two things. I think, yes, you haven't got the adrenaline and you perhaps you've got that bit more creativity and a bit more freedom to make mistakes because you know that you're not going to get, you know, abuse essentially from from your own fans or, you know, from away fans in the stadium. But then I also think the fact that you haven't got crowds there, perhaps, you know, you maybe not quite as, as concentrated. You know, if you go like one way to the other, it's when you've got all those people watching, you, you know, you know, you have to be alert every second of the game. And Sometimes as the game goes on, if you haven't got that crowd, it, it might start to feel a little bit like a training session. So I think you go from one extreme to the other. I think the crowd helps in the terms of, you know, building up adrenaline, but also, you know, helping with concentration levels as well. So that, that's an interesting one. Mm, anything, anything to add, Chris? On the crowd stuff, I think I'd want to get back into the stadium as soon as I can, um, to be honest with you. And, you know, I'm not like uh, COVID's a scam in any way, shape or form, but... And I'm not, I'm not so far the other way either. You know, I err on the side of caution on these types of things. I mean, you know, I've, I've had people in my life that have been affected by it, so it's not a scam. It exists. You know, you Paul had it for a start. Um, so, and, and my wife had it and stuff like that, and I've never seen her as ill as, as she was for those three weeks and stuff. Now, the handling of it, I don't want to get into. But what I will say is, you know, there are people like me who will who will want to go back to the game and who will try and keep themselves socially distanced. Now, you can't rely on everybody doing that, but it's on each individual person to keep themselves away from the next person closest to them. And that's a, that, that can sometimes be a difficult thing in social situations and stuff. I'd like the football clubs themselves to take control of the situation rather than the FA and the Prem. I think the FA and the Prem need to do something and then the football clubs need to go, right, this is the general guidelines that we've got to work within this is how we're going to look after our fans because ultimately that's who we want to look after us the people who care about us the fa and the premier league and the government don't really but liverpool the club will do 
That's a really yeah. good point, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, I mean you, you see that good football clubs handle fans better than bad than bad football clubs. I think in you know, and the, the fan experience. I mean, you look at how poorly West Ham fans have been treated, and then you know, we we always reference it. We referenced it last week, Chris, when we were talking to Peter Moore. Like Bayern Munich is the best experience I've ever had as a fan going to a football game, just in how mature and you know uh, and calm the whole thing was. So no, I think yeah, I think he dead right on that. But yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's a shame. I think there was a. I didn't really believe it was necessarily going to be happening in October it always felt a bit soon but I think we'd all like just you know putting aside all the bits of these because we're not experts on stuff as football fans I think we just want to get get back to being in the ground because that, that for me is what football is um Emma yeah the only thing I would say on Chris's point I, I absolutely agree but then we then get into that sticky situation where let's say Liverpool are able to control bringing in 12,000 fans a club like I don't know, let's just for example, Newcastle, they they might feel like they can only bring in five thousand fans. Is there then a discussion on whether there's a disadvantage there on, you know, in terms of the number of fans that that, that you're getting in stadiums? Look, there's always going to be a disadvantage, Emma, because that's what there's different size stadiums. Clubs have different size fan bases. Yeah. You know, yeah. Burnley have a stadium for ten thousand people, and United have seventy thousand or or whatever it is. So these these situations, I think. You know, if, if if Newcastle think they can only manage it for five thousand fans safely, then I'd let them manage it for five thousand fans safely. Uh, it's up it's up to them how many they can deal with, and there's a balancing point between cost as well, isn't there? I think Liverpool, yeah. I'd heard at a thousand fans, weren't going to bother opening the stadium anyway because it does it it wouldn't make any money. It'd lose more money, and they can't afford to do that. So at two and a half thousand, I think they probably could have broken even and, and wanted the atmosphere on there. Now at twelve thousand, you can probably guess that they would make quite a bit of money, and it's worth doing. Now the the issue is, you, you know, you might have a football club who's really struggling, and who decide in your example there. You know, Newcastle, oh, we can't quite do it, but we need the money. Now, that's a dangerous situation to be yeah. in, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, there does yeah. need to be some guidance towards it. You'll per, find... A staff member per how many people and, and yeah. blah, 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 I don't know. You'll find football yeah. clubs that, I mean, that's the negative. And we can't possibly answer every in and out of all this because for every answer, there's a problem for that answer. Yeah. Is that, you know, the, we know that there's plenty of examples and we're using the Newcastle example. I'm, I, there's no way Mike Ashley doesn't find a way to bring in the most money into that situation, not necessarily putting the people safety and that might be a bit of a slayer or whatever but I think there's enough evidence to suggest that he does put his, his own bottom line first ahead of the football club um, right look we're going to move things on um, we're going to talk about our rivals uh, and how they got on this week and as I say earlier it's just a bit of an opportunity to talk about Manchester United and dad um there's just we've waited for this for so very very long you know many 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 years of watching Manchester United be really good um, and every time you think it's coming to an end it's a false dawn and they, they, they rise again um, and they had a, we had a little one of those I guess you know from January onwards where they had a bit of a resurgence Bruno Fernandes was the greatest player ever to play the game um, and you know, look, I'm sure they'll be okay and I'm sure they'll be in a top four battle this season, but I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far and it tells me that United are are going to have a bit more of a struggle than maybe they, they'd hoped this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I read loads and loads of papers and stuff um, where people, the, the journalists or whatever, were asked to give their you know, top four or whatever. United were in the top four from every single one of them. That everyone believes that United have turned the corner and are going to make a fist of, of this season and, and really... Did Mason, was it Mason or Letizia who had them top? Like yeah. Chris, Chris Waddle, I think. Waddle, that was it. One of them idiots, yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, that, that, that people are desperate for United to, to be in the, you know, winning the league again and stuff. And thankfully, it's not going to happen for a while. Um, they're, 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 and the, the longer it goes on, the worse it's going to be for them. And we found yeah. that, you know, yeah. you, suddenly you 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 look at yourself and you think, oh, we're going to win it next year. We're going to win it, and then you suddenly ten years and you haven't won anything, you know. Um, and they'll start winning the Carabao Cup, and that you know they won the UEFA League, and that's exactly what we did. You win everything, but winning winning the actual Premier League is is really difficult unless you're on the top of your game. And, you know, you look at City last night again, showing with as long as De Bruyne is fit, they're a real force. Um, we look at, on top of our game. Arsenal seem to have overcome their defensive frailties. So, you know, where are United in that? Nowhere. 
Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, I'm just uh, I'm excited. Won the league, hasn't it, Paul? A little while. Little little while. While. So they're not going to win it this year, so that will make it eight years. So, I mean, 10 years, I mean, and we're at Arsenal at like 15, 16 years now. I mean, the thing about it, Chris, is that particularly for like the, the, the you know, some of our mates who are United fans who are sort of around our age, a little bit younger or, or whatever in particular. They don't get on to the fact that how, how quickly 10 years comes around. It won't feel like that long to them. It'll still feel like it's the same club and it's the same time. It's the same way that Istanbul doesn't seem 15 years ago. It's, you know, it's still, for me, it's still fresh because you're were, you were an adult and it's mad. That, I, that's one of the reasons why it kind, of, it kind of creeps up on you because it doesn't, the older you get, the less it kind of, you know, the, the, well, that's the, it. The, I mean, Goodison Park's a great example of this, Paul. Like for an Everton fan going to Goodison Park, it probably doesn't look that old because they've seen the decline over the last 20 years. <laughs> we drive past once every 15 years. I look and go, what the fuck? Is that still standing? You know what I mean? And that's what Man United fans are. Uh, they're in the midst of a steady decline and they don't notice. Old Trafford is that though? That's one of the things. There's loads of reports that come out. You know, there was that, it was a year or so ago when there was a, the roof was leaking and there was water gushing onto one of the seats. It's apparently it's got a massive rodent problem because it's just so dilapidated on the inside. Oh, there's there's a big... joke in there somewhere, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, no, what interesting to see um, Emma. Interesting to see Everton starting really brightly. You know, I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not here to see Everton be better than Liverpool in any way, shape, or form. But I would be made up if Everton became at least competitive. And I, I'd rather see Everton do well than Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, United, City. Yeah, I mean, I covered their game on the weekend. And I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin under Carlo Ancelotti just looks like a proper centre forward. Uh, and I think he, d- he deserves a hat-trick you know, on the weekend. And yeah, Everton have looked really good. And I think obviously they've, they've made some good signings. The feeling around the fan base, the feeling around the club in general is, is positive. Um, you know, there was a lot of excitement when Carlo came in and then he has come in and made a difference on and off the pitch. I mean, even just his kind of aura and, and the statue that he kind of brings to the club is, is something that Everton haven't had. I mean, I'm trying to think in my lifetime, I, I can't I can't think of a manager that Everton have had that have kind of brought that aura with them. They um, haven't had... They, they haven't had someone really of that stature since Kendall and then first time around, really. Yeah. yeah. Kendall and yeah. Catterick, you know, I mean, they, they've had managers who've managed to get them somewhere. I mean, they were still a force up until the mid eighties, and if you, if you look at the num- the teams who've won the top the title over the last thirty years, there's still probably only ten teams that have ever won, and Everton are one of them. You know, so yeah. they're, they're 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 a big club who who've been in the doldrums for a long time. And finally, someone had the, the nous to get in a decent manager. Sure. Yeah. It's, good to, it's good to see Evertonians talking again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> conversations with them in the last week or so. I, I, te- I tell you what, though, the Merseyside derby now is going to be a lot spicier than it has been for, for a long time. So definitely yeah. a game to you know get yourself worked up for. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Sure. Oh, God, without, without a shadow of a doubt. And it's just this one. It is, it, you know, it, it sounds daft. There's probably people from from outside the city who don't get it in the same way because you can't because, you know, you've got it. You, you literally almost well, almost live with it. You used to certainly with your brother. It, you know, 50% of the city or 51 or 55, however, they want to spin it, spin it, whatever. To have half of the city you live in just have a, black cloud of misery hanging over them at all times. It brings the whole mood of the place down. Um, it's just, you know, to see them walking around with a spring in the step, just that it feels, you know, it just feels like there's a better atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't have a, a normal job anymore, but, you know, I can imagine that, you know, at least during the weekdays, Monday to Friday, they'd be quite happy because there's no footy on for them. Yeah. Uh, and it was only until the weekend, like, you know, that they get really sad and angry. Because they, they knew that Everton at some point during the Friday, Saturday, Sunday was going to ruin their weekends. And, and and that's changed now. So I'm sure they're really happy in the workplace during the week and they're looking forward to the weekends. And, and it's good to see. And, you know, they, they they know as well, like certainly my brother does and the lads I speak to, they still know that they're not at Liverpool's level, but they're just enjoying the ride. And that's OK, because... Yeah you've got to take your enjoyment somewhere and they've got a great manager, they've made a couple of good signings and they're happy with James Rodriguez and how he's performing right now and, you know, they're looking forward to football and that's good, that's nice for the city and it's great to have a little bit of actual, actual I don't know what the old word for this would be but proper banter with them, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, just good conversation about footy where you can 
let your armor down and have a chat and and give a little ribbon left and right and, and know that you know we're still miles better than them. Oh god, that, that was, I, I did. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think this. I, I, the narrative around the managers, I think, is going to be fascinating this season, Dad. And uh, Ancelotti is just in that top bracket, absolute top bracket of managers in world football. He's now gone and bought really, really well. The, the club is being revitalised. I don't expect it to be done in one, you know, to be to be fixed in one window. I think it's going to take a season or two. But I, um, I, I think to, that they've got to, an advantage over United and Chelsea, for example. Yeah, you, you have to admire it, to be honest. I mean, you look at Guardiola and, and other Mourinho. They, don't go to teams that need rebuilding. And there's Ancelotti. You know, he's done everything, been everywhere. And he's walked into Everton, who I said before, you know, the lack of sleeping giant in the doldrums. And he's taken that on. And he's already made an impact. And, you yeah. know, he might not be winning the, the Champions League with them, you know. Uh, but if he sticks around long enough, he'll, he'll get them competing in the, you know, in the top levels of the, the Premiership. He'll be certainly looking for a European place, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah and he, he makes individual players better as well, doesn't he? Yeah, well, it seems to be the case, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, Man United Man United heading for the Evertonian doldrums, which is nice to see so far. Good to see all their fans. It's just enjoyable. Twitter, you know, is normally not a great place, but it's nice to see. Man United fans have me questioning every decision being made. They're about, they are about, they're a few days away, I think, from making a mega, like, just like to their fans, like, I just shut up, here's a sign and for loads of money kind of buy that doesn't necessarily fit what they need. Um, There's no way know. they're getting over the line, Paul. They've spent three months being a few days away from signing someone, though, mate. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but they all, yeah, yeah. You, you might listen. That'd be even more hilarious, Chris. I'll be honest. I'm bought in either way um, because I don't think what they do is necessarily going to be the answer. They're going to end up either badly paying over the odds for Jaden Sancho, like they've done for plenty of other players down the years, whether it's your Angel Di Maria's or, or you know your Alexis Sanchez's or whatever. But or they do, or you do with that. They, they go, no, we're sticking to our guns. We're gonna we're gonna be responsible with our with our money. And but they become, they become less of, of an attractive destination, don't they? The longer it goes on, the less likely players want to go there. Yeah, yeah. I, they're, they're doing the, they're, they're doing a, a thing at the moment where I, I reckon they will go big because it's and it's what they've been doing for years. Is that in the absence of of the the Ferguson effect of I want to come and play for a manager who I know is going to deliver success or get the best out of me? You're doing it on here's loads of money. And here's some other boss players that you can play with, I think is kind of a little bit of the thing that, that, that they might end up going for because that's been their modus operandi for a few years now. Splash big on players who don't necessarily suit it, but will 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 um you know will be a little bit of a draw unto themselves. But it's not our problem. That's their problem. Let them worry about that problem. Wonderful. Um go on, Chris, final thoughts. Just just finally on Manchester United, they they've still managed to maintain a level, I think, in the, where they're looking for signings that they can get the big players. This was their big opportunity right and, and Chelsea I think took advantage of this opportunity of getting your Verners and your Havertz in Manchester United needed to do that because what Manchester United are heading for is, is shopping in that Europa League bracket yeah. next season when everybody's got the wallet out again and every and everyone ahead of them in the league is looking at the top players in world football to send them with they'll quickly find their targets going elsewhere and they're shopping what like Liverpool did for years seeing our targets go to Tottenham and Chelsea and everywhere else Man United if they don't sign someone big and make a big improvement this season next season their targets won't be there for them and they'll be and they won't be able to get those calibre of players well, it's interesting. We'll never know truly what their what their interests or how far they went on on Thiago. But you know, like Chelsea were able to go to Timo Werner and capitalise on Liverpool's inability to get the deal over the line at the time with a big sell and some big money, and you know, and uh, we're going to make you the main man kind of thing. Liverpool would were, were kind of dragging their heels over Thiago, and by all accounts, Man United asked the question. They just went. <laughs> I think I think the email. Leave Fred... Munich for use. Paul, I think the email thread went something along the lines of this. Hi, we're getting in touch. We'd really like to speak to Jaden. Um, is that oh, I'm sorry, Thiago? Is that okay? Yeah, we're a big club in Manchester. Which one? United? No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unread. Uh, uh, just unread in the inbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Just read the title. 
Man- regarding Manchester United X Thiago. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll yeah we'll be we'll be all right with that one. Uh, right, guys, thank you so much for joining Straight me on the podcast. Spam. Thank you. Yeah, thank you to everyone um, who's who's uh, commented, who's watched us on live. If you listened on podcast after the fact, then make sure you leave us a five star review. Uh, one final thought came from the YouTube comments that I quite liked from Harvey Bell. He said, "My teacher said I bet you'd rather have Ole at the wheel than Clippity Clop after their win against PSG." Well, in your face, <laughs> Mister Teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you got that one badly wrong. Proof the teachers are human too. But be kind. Uh, right, yeah, thanks so much. Drop a like on this on YouTube. Uh, we've got loads of amazing additional content coming for you. Uh, we have got the Tiago special. We've got a Jota special. Uh, Chris's daughter delved in with Cy Brundish to, to look at the model that saw Jota being acquired for Liverpool and why the Reds have gone for him. Um, that is going up. That's up on the RedmenTV.com as well. So if you need more, if you want to bask in Liverpool's wonderful transfer business, then we have got you absolutely covered do go over there do sign up uh, and yes uh, get involved with everything we've also got a three-part peter moore special as well he came in we sat down it was very very brilliant it was long as in depth and it's coming out in three amazing chunks in the coming weeks as well so the perfect time to sign up to the website support everything we do and get yourself some boss content we'll see you there Ta-da. hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.